Inside Speedway is brought to you by P1 Australia and by Speedway Classics Magazine, on sale now. From the dirt tracks across Australia, welcome to Inside Speedway with Dennis Newman and Craig Revell. Well, joining us here on Inside Speedway is Gavin Migro. And Gavin is the manager of Speedway Racing at the Perth Motorplex at Kiwana. And great news for Speedway fans in the West. You guys are up and running. How much, Gavin, is up and running just like uh, any other year? Look, obviously, we're coming out of a... Look, and thank you very much for the opportunity, Craig, but we're obviously we're coming off a very challenging period for... Uh, for not only uh, sports and motorsports and speedway in particular, which that's obviously our first love, but um, but certainly for, for life in general. So perhaps uh, the new normal is is what we're going to be experiencing. But uh, you know, we we're really really excited. We've obviously had a, a pretty tumultuous time um, throughout this uh, winter, um, what we winter months. But we're, we're we're sort of back in the game now, and uh, we opened last Saturday night with a bang. And um, you know, having the uh, the Shannon's Power Palooza, which is it's really, it's one of my favourite little events. It's it's my baby, I guess, that I wanted to bring uh, speedway drag racing and burnouts together all on one show, which is probably a unique, you know, world only or world first type uh, event. And we've been doing it for uh, for four years now, and, and, and each year it keeps to, it keeps growing. So uh, really excited by it. We had a huge crowd, you know, over sort of seven odd thousand people that were in the house. Um, record uh, opening night speedway competitor numbers. Um, um, and you know, in the most remote capital city in the world, we're uh, we're pretty excited by what what we're uh, getting the opportunity to do right now. The obvious thing is that Western Australia has been able to weather the COVID crisis over the off season, though. And I'm not sure, did you get affected going into the end of last season with your calendar? Yes, we did. Um, the last two events um, we couldn't run uh, when COVID, because obviously the state went into uh, into a hard lockdown. Um, obviously, our, our premier and the state government uh, felt like it was important to go into uh, into you know state of emergency, I guess. And and as it turns out, it's probably been the right decision. Um, uh, the the I guess the tough thing for all of us was is that we uh, for all the staff here we uh, we worked up until the end of May and then um, and then there was sort of obviously no guarantees on what we were going to be able to do so uh, unemployment came uh, for all of us which was really really tough um, for a three-month period and um, you know we were uh, obviously We've all gone through a fairly tough time financially and in our own personal lives, um, but also with our passion of, of Speedway um, and other things that the motorsport, as a motorsport venue, the Motorplex is, you know, drag racing and burnouts. And um, we obviously all had to take that time away and we couldn't couldn't do anything, um, obviously. Um, there was no events being hosted. Um, so, you know, with that in mind, once they uh, gave us the call back, we came back on the 1st of uh, September. And uh, in a nutshell, we had, uh, I guess, five months' worth of work to do in two months to get us up and running. And thankfully, it's not our first rodeo, um, the team that we have here. So we've been able to... um uh, you know, get cracking fairly quickly. I mean, we unfortunately some of the staff uh, weren't able to come back 
Um, but the majority of the people, uh, the key people, did come back, and we've you know also got some uh, new people as well. So uh, you know we, we, we're really excited by the future. I mean, obviously there's still a, a bit of um, uh, I wouldn't I'll, I'll use the word uncertainty, but there, there's obviously the the government is still looking to uh, to uh, find a new operator for the venue. They do uh, apparently have somebody on on uh, on site or with the MOU to to sort of uh, get going, but at the moment that hasn't taken. Uh, hasn't come to fruition. So at the moment, we're still in our holding pattern uh, offering under the uh, the venue's West Umbrella, which look after 13 stadiums here in Perth, um, including uh, the uh, the beautiful world-class or probably no better world-class stadium in, in Opera Stadium that we have and HBF Park and HBF Stadium, and there's a whole heap of stadiums that they look after. So um, we're under their umbrella right now and, um, you know, we, we, we do enjoy being there, but it's just, um, you know, we're just hoping that we can keep the juggernaut rolling and uh, that is the Perth Motorplex, um, obviously coming into our 21st season. And you have been there right from the start. How big a difference is the Motorplex operating under governance of uh, the Western Australian government as compared to under the uh, operation of a private promoter? Um, look, look, it's clearly different. I mean, um, it's more about trying to, um, we, we, you know, obviously Speedway and, and motor racing does things uh, a certain way and, 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 and government tend to not um, perhaps understand um, those types of processes. So there's there's a fair amount of education, um, you know, from both sides because we obviously need to be educated in in processes that that, that the uh, that the government uses. So, you know, from our perspective, um, you know, we, we certainly like being under the umbrella. Um, it's just a matter of that. Whilst there's probably frustration on both sides, if you if you want to call, but but we are. You know, I guess at the end of the day, the uh, the, the people who write the checks makes the rules, so we have to uh, adhere to those. But um, thankfully, Speedway has a good um, a good peak body in Speedway Australia, and they're very very proactive in in communicating. Uh, nationally and and having good uh, you know public liability and, and risk management processes and stuff like that. So those sorts of things are very very important for our sport and and and, and I think every year Speedway Australia is certainly getting better. That it helps helps uh, I guess governments uh, invest in 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 venues because it gives them some confidence that there's um, that there's uh, checks and balances in place. So you know we, we, we're certainly that that's probably the best way for me to explain it. With the Power Palooza, you had uh, quite a mix of divisions there, as well as the burnouts, as, as you mentioned. But interestingly, the the Speedway it has got the capacity for bikes as well. And your solo racing, well, you had five finishes and two didn't start. So, uh, how do you manage such big grids? Look, uh, look. I, I, when we designed the track, I mean, obviously, my father, Con Migro, is you know, obviously a legend of the of Speedway, and and um, you know, he was a promoter at Claremont Speedway in the first three odd years here at the Motorplex, and um, I think it was thirty two odd years. I think he he promoted for, and we've 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 always been bike fans, you know. Like, I mean, we used to have, you know, as a young kid, I had Ivan Major staying at our house, and and um, you know, legends of the sport, Anders Michinek, and and you know, riders of just 
world class that people would probably pinch themselves that but as a, as a kid growing up in the sport you just they, they were your heroes so we, so we've always been bike fans and when when Claremont obviously was uh, looking to close the, the the motorcycle racing in in Australia was probably on the downturn in a sense because um, you know, promoters and tracks around the nation had probably moved to a more car-centric type um, shows. Um, you know, for better or for worse, some people will say it's not not as good, but um, we felt that you know that if we built a, a, a good car track and then build a, a motorcycle track on the inside, um, that would would benefit the sport and continue to run. Now, as it turned out, the bike fraternity didn't didn't like that, but. I'm still, I'm still believe it's still the right thing to do because the riders are safer. Um, you know, there's the 22 meter car wide uh, car track that's width, so 22 meters away before there's any wall, um, and then you've got a bike track that's you know probably 400 meters around on the pole line, um, 15 meters wide in the corners and 12 in the straightaways, and you know you've got a big gap before there's any fence or any any. Uh, any sort of significant risk that as risky as motorcycle speedway can be. So we, we when we designed that, we had Ivan Major say, look, make sure the track's big enough so you've got the speed because people were used to the speed at Claremont, so make sure you do that. So, so we did that, but obviously we couldn't get the bike fraternity to buy into what we were doing, but I'm sort of a little bit pig-headed, and I, and I still love motorcycle speedway, and I went to the, um, uh, you know, obviously to when it was at uh, Marvel Stadium, the Speedway Grand Prix, and, and I've been to the UK and watched the Speedway motorcycle racing, and um, and I still felt like there was really a need in Perth, and and the you know the local Speedway club here, a motorcycle Speedway club, um, which is north of Perth at Pinjar towards Wanneroo or just above Wanneroo, they built a, a, a purpose-built Speedway track, and a really good friend of mine um, became their president, and and we said, look, we we need. We, we can help you by our promotional skills. Um, we can get guys to come and race at our place, hopefully, and, and then they'll draw the fans to you. So we did that and, and clearly has worked. And, um, you know, despite what some of the, the you know, the, the haters, I guess, continue to roll out some of the stuff that they do and they talk about, oh, the track's too far away. But every Speedway Grand Prix that you watch in a temporary stadium has 22 metres blacked out, <laughs> you know, away from the spectators, um, you know, it was for, for safety reasons. So uh, this is no different. Um, you know, and and bike racing's great. Our, our schedules are really strong. Good cars. You know, we had sprint cars, um, late model speed cars on the night. Um, there was twenty seven sprint cars nominated, twenty two late models, uh, seventeen speed cars, and and seven solos. And we had flat track motocross bikes as well because that's another futuristic thing that we're trying to to push and plug. So I think it's uh, I think it's really important. Yeah, and I was going to say, with Pinja Park and the Motorplex, it means competitors get to have a lot more diversity than just running around the same track every uh, couple of weeks. Yeah, look, I mean, we're only 40 minutes away from each other, so it sort of works out well. Um, the club worked well with us now that, you know, obviously – my friend Marshall was their was their president, and he he sort of gave them the understanding that if we actually work together, if you run against us, we're going to win every time. Believe it or not, we will win because we've got such strong marketing um, capacity. Um, but what we we're not there to to try and suppress them. We're there to help them. And we when we I mean, like I said, I love bikes, and and if we're not on, um, which thankfully we're not, um, they've rescheduled their stuff to to suit. Uh, the off weeks that we're on, um, I'm, I'm quite often sitting on the hill there, just being a fan, and, and um, 
you know, they've still got a long way to go with some of their organisation, but but they're, they're slowly getting there and the riders will get an opportunity. And like you said, if they've got other tracks to uh, racing uh, encourages investment. So um, that'll get participants up and about. And particularly having a, a three-time world champion know the uh, area like the back of his hand, he also has been uh, a real counterpoint for promoting sp- speedway bikes over in the West. Absolutely. I mean, um, Ty Wolfen, and he's, he's a great guy. He's a real character. And, you know, we we actually were lucky enough to get um, Ty to come here last year. And, and, um, and he said when we talked about it, because he's – my good mate Marshall, who was the president of the bike club, was his really one of his best buddies, and um, so that's how we sort of tied it all in. And we said, look, let's would tie run on our track, you know. We we obviously had the John Day Classic because it was a you know historic, um, nostalgic sort of event, and uh, he said he'd love to. And um, so we had tie racing. Um, on that night, we had, you know, like obviously a three times world champion. We had Kerry Madsen, who was a World of Outlaws sprint car racer. And we had the USAC midget champion, the New Zealand midget champion, and the Australian midget champion all on the same night. And there's, you know, what I'm proud of is that a bit of old school promotion, and there's pr- you're not going to see that anywhere in the world ever um, to get that opportunity to hosting, you know, three big uh, classes of racing all on the same night. And we, and the crowd that we had, um, was they certainly bought into it. So there's uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same is the way we say. Now, you mentioned you had a great crowd for opening night. Are you operating in, under any restrictions with the crowd size and venue capacity? No, uh, no, we're not actually. We, we, well, we, we buy a very small amount, so, but not enough to really um, for us to be too fearful of where we're at. Um, we, we had a, a very slight reduction, but the reason – was that our venue, because it's so large and so spread out, that we can actually um, have the venue's licensed for fifteen thousand, and I think our capacity was at about, you know, uh, as it was about fourteen odd thousand, so it didn't really have any issue. However, the inside areas, like our corporate boxes, were reduced to um, about fifty percent. Um, you know, the uh, the gold seated area was you know rows that we had to um, segregate, um, but everywhere else was okay other than we just encourage social distancing um, we went through a whole COVID um, you know we had to all obviously all staff had to do um, hygiene officers courses um, all our officials had to do a hygiene course for COVID um, you know by the Australian Hotels Association um, you know including the announcers their security everybody had to do that so they understood what their responsibility is in in keeping this dreaded thing away and doing their best um, and we've got hygiene stations throughout the venue that we made up during the, uh, the the last couple of months of us coming into uh, into our new season, we made them um, and placed them like in in many places around the venue. So there's nowhere you couldn't really look. Even on our infield, we've got hygiene stations where guys can um, you know after they've had their run or whatever they can uh, you know uh, hygiene their hands. So um, or sanitise their hands. So it's 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 important that we, we continue to do that. And like I said, perhaps that's the new normal is what we're going to have to do from now on. Yeah, indeed. And uh, your next up is the King of Wings, the 39th running of that event. 
Yeah, absolutely. We, we're um, the nominations closed last night, and we, we're really, really happy with the system that we have in, in nominations because we're a week and a half away from the event, so they closed the midnight, midnight the Wednesday before, and uh, prior to, and um, so we already know that we've got um, there's a hundred racing teams have entered for uh, for. For Saturday the fourteenth, um, at this stage there's twenty five, uh, you know, four ten sprint cars. Um, we've got twenty five limited sprint cars as well, so we're going to have fifty sprint cars in the pits, and um, there's uh, twenty five Formula five hundreds as well, and uh, and twenty odd um, late models plus a, a demolition derby. So um, it's uh, yeah, it's shaping up to be an absolute ripper, and you know the, we've got a great sponsor over here in Scarterfield Smash Repairs that uh, that look after. Uh, a number of the teams, but he just loves that event, and he can bring his uh, his guests along to it, and, and really enjoy it. And it's it's always a ripper. We do the a forty lap sprint car feature race with a pit stop. Um, obviously, our track is quite large, so the guys won't actually do. Uh, 40 laps non-stop, believe it or not, because they run out of gas. Um, but we, uh, yeah, we, we do a, a, um, a pit stop in the middle at some stage after about lap 12 to give them an opportunity to tweak the cars. They can change tyres, but they go to the back of the bus. So it's a really cool race. And um, it'll also be our uh, another one of our televised events on uh, on 7 Mate for our Night Thunder program. And for people listening um, to your show, Craig, um, this Sunday on 7 Mate, Mate, um, our first Powerpalooza event will be shown on uh, 7 Mate at 3pm this Sunday nationally. So, um, you know, we're really, really proud of um, that relationship we have with Channel 7 um, and for them to give us the opportunity to showcase Speedway on on, uh, on on 7 Mate. So I think we've got about six or seven shows this year that they're going to televise and obviously opening night was one of them and then the next one will be the uh, the King of Wings and then into the, the John Day Classic and the WA Sprint Car title all on the same night and then we move into our Speed Week. So, yeah, really, really cool stuff happening over here and um, it is a world-class venue, but it it, it, it it, uh, it deserves to have that status when you consider um, how good it is and what the racing that it puts on. And, of course, uh, you've got a relationship for live streaming so people from all around the world can, uh, you know, watch it as it happens. Absolutely, Dirt Vision's been an absolute breath of fresh air for us. Um, they do a, they do a fabulous job. I mean, obviously, the connection with the World of Outlaws gives us, um, you know, the amount of people and and races that are, um, uh, you know, World of Outlaw guys that tweet saying that they, they they hope to one day get to race here at the Perth Motorplex is is makes us clearly very proud. Um, but they, um, just by them watching the racing, um, and then them tweeting about it, and or tweeting about the uh, you know the race that's going on, or on their Facebook or or, uh, or Instagram on how good the racing is. So that's something we're really proud of. I mean, my uh, my track guy is a young guy by the name of Mikey Rimmer, and um, he's um, 25, 26 years of age, um, doing a track like this that is is you know equal to you know anything the best of the best will be getting dished up um, throughout the world. So really proud to have a young team with us, and um, you know that's one of the things that uh, perhaps our sport doesn't or hasn't done very well with over the years is getting young people involved. And um, you know my event administrator, I've got an administrator that works in the offices. He's he's only twenty one as well, and um, but he's he's I I just want to give them all that information that we can possibly do because I think it's our role is, I mean, if there is a legacy, your legacy is how you leave the sport, you know, realistically and how you can, um, you know, pass on your knowledge. And I think that's really, really important. And, and I don't think a lot of that happens. Um, but thankfully, you know, I had, a, I had a pretty good teacher in my, in my father, Con. 
um, you know, obviously um, being a, a Speedway Hall of Famer and a, a legendary promoter from from a, the, probably the golden era of Speedway, but it's, um, you know, to have that information and, and you know, the, the stuff, the people that he trained over the years and, you know, the Wade Oranges and those sort of guys that have, um, you know, they've, they've all been given their head start by him. I think that's what Dad has done really, really well. And, and I certainly want to, um, I certainly want to um, um, pass that on as well. Yeah, well, you are dragging Matt Nolte back from South Australia to uh, be part of the team as well. <laughs> Absolutely, Nolte is brilliant. He's a great caller, and and look, the, out of the, out of the, you know COVID, it was a pretty horrible time for him being stuck in South Australia. But he, he he can't wait to come back and and call the racing here. And once you see this TV show on the weekend, I'm sure there will be people um, being excited by what they're seeing in in, uh, in in Speedway. But obviously, we're proud that it, it happens to be us uh, delivering that to the to the world. Well, whilst we've talked about uh, 21 years or coming into 21 years of your life promoting the Motorplex, you had a racing career of your own and I remember seeing you on track. So that's, I don't know if it's dating you or dating me that uh, we talk about this, but um, what was, uh, your dad, to my knowledge, never did race. Com was a a promoter as far as I know. What, uh, What was the impetus and who was the person that actually got you in a race car? Look, um, I, when I was fifteen, I or fourteen or fifteen, I, I um, all of a sudden got, I was playing footy. You know the usual Aussie rules, and, and just so passionate about footy and love my West Coast Eagles and all that sort of stuff, and and go to every game I possibly can. But um, when I uh, I was still playing footy, and I thought, oh, geez, I wouldn't mind racing maybe. And I went and had a look at go karts, and I don't want to be derogatory to go karts. I think you know it's a great, it's clearly a great um, pathway. Um, but for me, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, it was all day and all night, and, you know, it's like all, you know, all weekend and stuff like that. And whereas Speedway was, and obviously at the time, you didn't really know, I didn't really know it completely. But, you know, my racing heroes were Johnny Fenton and Alf Barber Gallo and stuff like that. And I thought, geez, I wouldn't mind maybe just to see if, wonder if I like it, you know. So, we, we moved, well, moved away. I did a bit of motocross racing and then, um, and then I decided to, um, you know, we went to a Bribble Lake Speedway one day. Here was a Sunday afternoon winter track, and um, and a great uh, pathway for for racers to learn their car, their craft. And I, um, Shane Murphy, who who became a sprint car gun as well, the son of um, the great Jeff Murphy, who's still a, a constructor of of high note in in throughout the world. And um, they'd raced a Formula Five Hundred that day, and they had a mechanics race. And next thing you know, I'm in his race suit and in the mechanics race, and I and I won the race. And I thought. Geez, I wouldn't mind doing this, <laughs> and um, and there was a couple of old solo riders in that race as well. So I'd sort of come out of really not not any speedway um, or, or any other than a bit of motocross and BMX. So I, I next thing you know, I bought a car, a Formula Five Hundred from uh, from a guy over here by the name of Brian Mullings, who won many state titles. And um, my my uh, I was fifteen years of age, and I was doing a. Uh, started a mechanical apprenticeship, which I didn't finish because I was it wasn't really for me. But um, I like w- racing cars, and and but didn't really I, I like working on race cars, but didn't like working on road cars. But I um, so I paid I think six hundred dollars for my first Formula Five Hundred without an engine, and my dad had been sponsoring a couple of solo riders with a with a with a Jawa Speedway engine, so I ended up with that. And and uh, next year, you know, I'm off and running and racing, and I. Um, I did four, uh, three years in Formula Five Hundreds. In my second year of Formula Five Hundreds, I was uh, lucky enough to, uh, um, to earn a. I finished third in the Australian Formula Five Hundred title at um, 
at uh, at Murray Bridge in South Australia. I think the first year I raced, I did the the Australian title at Newcastle in New South Wales. So I've, I've got I've done a little bit of travelling when I first started, and then the third year I did uh, Alice Springs for the title that didn't didn't go very well at all. But by then I'd already been given a speed car ride for um for Kim Ledger and the Mobile One uh, Road of Motion Racing Team with as teammates with Graham Jones and. And I even got to race against your dad, so that was a pretty cool thing at the uh, Australian title in, um, I think it was 87, I think it was, um, as part of the America's Cup uh, Festival of Sports. So, yeah, Formula 500 speed cars and then sprint cars. Yeah, if ever there was a track suited for a Western Australian that night at Claremont, or that oh, yes. weekend at Claremont, it certainly was set up for uh, the Western Australians. And that's what good promoters have done right throughout the history of Speedway, hasn't it? You always want Absolutely. <laughs> but... Now, if my facts are correct, you also won a Western Australian 360 Sprint Car Championship. So you sold yourself yes. short on the story. Yeah, look, I mean, absolutely. And and I, I love my sprint car career. Um, um, I mean, I just love all motorsport, all speedway, frankly. And um, the sprint car stuff, you know, I won a speed week, the USA versus WA speed week. Um, uh, that's probably my, my, my proudest moment because I had to work hard. I, I had a fairly horrible illness through that period of uh, developed Crohn's disease and people, some listeners may or may not know what that is, but it's a bowel disease and it's, you, you, there's no cure for it. And I've still got it now, but you just learn to live with it. And, um, I, I had an operation and had a bowel resection, which means they took a bit of bowel out about a foot of bowel out. And, um, and I came back to racing. So sort of within a couple of weeks of the operation, much to, uh, um, my mum's, um, disapproval but she understood um and um and funnily enough i uh i ended up winning um winning speed week against the americans and we had kenny jacobs and randy hannigan and gary wright here at that time and so that was a, a really crack field of of races but your mind's a pretty powerful thing if you put put it to it and, and i was lucky enough to do that and um so speed week was the highest i did win a 360 state title here and i funnily enough on that i do remember the race vividly because the first corner i, was, I think i was starting out of position five and i went in the first corner and i was a little bit um, not ambitious, but I was probably a little bit too pushy and, and a car spun out in front of me and, and and I went with him and then spun to a stop and I thought, oh, well, I've just blown that, so I'm going to have to go into the rear of the field. And um, anyway, as it turns out, I end up driving my way back, back through and, and then hit the front with a with a handful of laps to go. So uh, there's nothing like winning from the back of the field. It's a, it's a pretty euphoric feeling. So, uh, yeah, so yeah, we, we, we did really, really well, but I – I still, I mean, I love my racing career. I did it for 20 years, um, and then now I've, I've been doing this. I think this is my 18th season as the promoter, and then I did marketing and stuff like that before. So, um, I guess from Western Australians' point of view or people's point of view, I think um, over 40 odd years, um, what is it, 40, 50 years probably, there's there's only ever been a migro that's promoted a <laughs> promoted a speedway at the at the capital city track in Perth. So. Uh, um, some may think it's good and some may think it's not so good, but um, we're really proud of what we've done and achieved. Um, and, and, look, my father was, like, completely um, – and, and we were part of the team to actually get this venue up and running with the state government back in the in, in 2000. So still world-class and still brilliant and, and only getting better and, and creating its own, um, its own history. And one thing that some people lament is the fact that the promoters aren't as – uh, cohesive, particularly the the big tracks across Australia, and the way promotions 
are done now has changed markedly, not just over your time in 20 years, but really over the 40 years from the way things were done. What is your take on how you guys as a collective, particularly at the uh, the capital city tracks or the marquee tracks, are working? Look, no, I mean, we, we have um – there's some tracks work together. Um, there's other tracks that, that probably have a professional jealousy. Um, I think that we should all be proud of tracks if they've um, if they've done a good job. It's like the Warrnambool Club, you know, the Premier Speedway Club in Warrnambool in Victoria. You know, they, they do a fabulous job. They're uh, you know they, their forefathers, you know, grabbing that Australia Day weekend date and sticking with it. Um, you know, and growing the Grand Annual Sprint Car Classic to be you know the biggest sprint car race outside of North. America, um, it should be something that we should be celebrating. Um, some promoters don't like that. Um, I don't understand why, because we're, if it's the old, um, you know, united we stand, divided we fall. Um, and I think if we're more more unification, we'll, we'll be on the moon quicker than, uh, than we probably should be. Um, so... Um, yeah, the cohesive thing is, um, they, I guess, is that professional jealousy, and 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 there, sh- and there really shouldn't be. We should be continue to work together. Um, we work well with our tracks close by to us in Perth in, with Bunbury. Um, there's a new track coming on board in Northam. Um, it's been there for a while, but they've got a new owner, and um, we're, we're certainly reached. I've already reached out to them guys and said, look, if they need a hand with anything, please sing out. We're, we're happy to give them a hand of, um, with some obviously some tips on track preparation and on machine that they should get so they're not so if we can fast track their learning curve um then i believe that we'll all benefit from that so it's really really important that we all stick together um because we we um have obviously not a huge pool to draw from and if we can draw from as much as we possibly can we'll all be successful and i think that's a, a critical thing the tracks that are running the huge big meetings, the Warrnambools and and uh, Perth Motorplex and and uh, Sydney Speedway, although they're in a, a bit of a, a, a hiatus to say the least at the moment, but they you can only have those thirty great sprint cars turning up and being competitive if there is a base of people who are starting in your Formula 500s, Grand Prix midgets, in your late models or in your in your street sedans, street stockers, that are all got an aspiration and a pathway to get to the, uh, the top. Even if they're not going to be world champions or Australian champions, there's got to be a huge base because there is such a small pinnacle. Absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, I guess even with, the, with some of the promoters with that little professional jealousy, some of the categories have that that little professional jealousy as well because they feel like perhaps that sprint cars might get the lion's share of the promotion. But I, I look at it differently that I feel that when we run the majority of our events at, at our events at the Motorplex, I believe the big three are sprint cars, late models and, and speed cars, and we put them on accordingly on, on the majority of our shows together. So I feel it's really important to showcase that. Um, and then this, what you would call the sportsman type categories, you know, your street stocks and stuff like that. If you can run them with them, that they, they, they're on the coat strings and they'll cut, they'll get dragged along and, and up into the top of the pinnacle of the pyramid, you know, 
know. So it, it's it, it's really important. I mean, the, the, those classes are, are very very important for um, for you know not only their own racing and for the tracks for the local community, you know, because they give people something to look forward to, something to go and to to to, to do, you know. And um, so you know, um, speedways perhaps been criticised for having too many classes um, and that perhaps is the case. I mean, there used to be something like 120 plus classes within Speedway and I think Speedway Australia have, have got that down to about 80 right now. Um, so, you know, uh, with the 80s too many and, you know, I guess the Halcyon days, there was probably five or six classes and that's when it was at its at its boom. But there was also probably wasn't many country tracks either. So it's just the evolution Um Sometimes not for the best, but um, you're right. The, the, if the capital cities tracks are, are, are booming, um, then the then the the the, uh, the tracks in the country areas will 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 go up on their coat strings. And and I, but also think it's really important that some of the main categories do travel to those um, to those uh, regional areas to um, to give the people a, a taste test of what it's really like to see the big uh, the big guns come to the all the city classes if you like go to the uh, to the country so I think it's really important that they do that yeah it definitely does work both ways and and the more that uh, the city and the country work together the better it will be for the sport just like it is that we don't have uh, you know a huge late model race in one state when next door they've got an Australian or a state championship. It's, it's it some common sense has to prevail across uh, all the divisions and uh, and promotion. Yeah, absolutely. It's very important. And look, one of the things that I always do at the, in the off season when we're building our calendar, I usually you know speak to to Warrnambool and, and Brisbane and um, and and obviously Avalon in Geelong. And um, you know, I used to speak to the people in in South Australia when Wendy Turner had Speedway City. Would always sort of speak to those guys and find out exactly what was going on, what they were doing. With, you know, when Stephen Green was at Sydney Speedway, we would speak to Stephen and just sort of just try and get a bit of a feel for some of the blue ribbon events around the nation because. I really still think it's important. The WA guys have always been travellers, which has proven right back through the through the you know the Halcyon days, um, right across the board in classes. So we we feel like if you are suppressing them, they're going to go anyway. So if we can sort of work the calendar around to allow them to go, then then they'll they'll buy into what you're doing. And look, there's some dates are going to clash, and it's going to be what it will be. But um, some of the bigger blue ribbon events, I think it's really important that the tracks do work together to to uh, to make sure that um, that there's every opportunity for races to travel around um, the nation and to um, to uh, you know to, to to grow the respective classes at the um, at the venues. Well, Gavin, we could talk a lot more, but uh, time has caught up with us. Thank you very much for joining us here on Inside Speedway. Good on you, Craig. Really appreciate it, and uh, um, thanks for the opportunity. You're really good. So if you tune in this Sunday, the, uh, the, the, your uh, your fans will get a, a good opportunity to see how cool the motorplex really is. Mm, indeed, and that is across the nation on seven mate. Gavin Migro joining us here on Inside Speedway. Tune in next week for more on Inside Speedway. Inside Speedway is produced by Thunder Media. Any reproduction, accounts, or descriptions of the program without written permission from Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Inside Speedway is brought to you by 
P1 Australia, and by Speedway Classics Magazine, on sale now.